Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Part and parcel the whole genie gig. Phenomenal cosmic powers! お前さ、もっとうまくやらねえと、うざがられちゃうんじゃねえのあ、ま、ま、気持ち悪い。俺最低な人間だから、本当は生きてちゃまずいやつだから。せめて、もう、西宮を泣かせたくないって思っただけで
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Inside Movies Galore. I'm your host, uh, one of your hosts, David Stragge, and here we have another fantastic month for you, uh, where we are starting our Anime August uh, uh, month, and uh, we have a selection of films, and one of them, uh, our, our, our friend um, Brandon will, uh, will be telling us about. Brandon, why don't you tell us what the movie for tonight is all about? Yes, uh, well, I'm very pleased that we are diving into a genre that is very less traveled in our circles, as we, <laughs> I think we've covered two from the anime genre, and none that are quite like this. Of course, mm -hmm. I am talking about the film directed by Naoko Yamada, A Silent Voice. This film has uh, a lot of wonderful qualities, being uh, directed by a female anime director, which is a very rare breed indeed, and dealing with themes that we will be discussing throughout that are very well known. It is a film released in, gosh, what was it, 2016. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as the plot, a young man is ostracized by his classmates, after he bullies a deaf girl to the point where she moves away. Years later, he sets off on a path for redemption, which is a very oversimplified <laughs> summary there, to yeah. say the least. But we will be getting into that uh, as we go along. But let's go ahead into our first impressions. Um, you know what? Why don't I start with Dave? Because you're, you're the uh, least familiar with anime in general. Uh, it's not that I'm unfamiliar. I'm unfamiliar with uh, a lot of uh, 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 animation films and animation series that uh, uh, obviously I, I have no, uh, I have I had no idea how emotional some of these films could be, and uh, um, for me. Uh, uh, to uh, to me, gr uh, growing up with cartoons, um, well, uh, I guess I, I, I could say that anime isn't exactly cartoons because it's more of an art form. So, right. to, uh, to me, um, when I think of uh, uh, an animation or an, or an anime, uh, however you want to describe this kind of a film, um, I think uh, <laughs> I think of my childhood. And uh, um, I think uh, some of the reasons why uh, this genre is overlooked is because <laughs> I, I grew up in the generation where uh, there's a time to grow up <laughs> and uh, uh, stop, you know, stop living in a fantasy world and live in reality. <laughs> so, um, but... Uh, some animations that I have come across have actually been a little bit more poetic, um, especially now that I've been ushered into the animation, <laughs> uh, anime world. So, uh, and uh, this was my first time viewing this film, and uh, actually, I thought it was impressive. Um, the the uh, there were a lot, there were a lot of colors. Um, I, I thought the story was very emotional. Very, uh, I mean, it, it it brought a lot of you know 
what bullying was uh, to light. I mean, not many films, uh, animations actually dwell on the uh, the bullying. And this just so happened to be about a young girl who just didn't have the ability to hear, you know. And uh, um, the, the classmates were quite cruel. And, um, but it's almost like a, 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 a journey of sorts. Uh, that the main character uh, go, uh, goes through, and uh, I guess we'll get into that later. But uh, but for my first time viewing it, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I did uh, I did cry um, during a, mo- a, a moment. I did shed a few tears, so that uh, that brought a few emotions to uh, to light, and uh, I could definitely relate to um, to the victims. Uh, 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 because I myself have been uh, been bullied before. Maybe not. Uh, uh, I mean, of course, I fought back when I was a kid, but uh, <laughs> we, we were always taught not to. And uh, um, I think the journey that this main character went on was quite a journey indeed. Because uh, because he he had a lot to overcome because he'd done a lot of cruel cruel things and uh i i think uh who, who uh suggested this film uh that would have been katie asked for recommendations and i gave her that as a recommendation okay i thank you brandon katie for <laughs> suggesting this as a uh suggestion for this uh, uh for i quite enjoyed it so um and keep in mind, this is the first time we have actually uh, put these up to a wider audience to vote to see which one. And this one really got overwhelming support vote-wise. Uh, so, uh, it was uh, very much like on top of the list. But uh, Jake, what's what's your? Uh, is this well, obviously this is not your first watch. I know that, but. <laughs> Well, and also, um, and let me just, uh, if I have not made it clear already on this channel, um, I come from almost the opposite uh, mindset of what Dave described, whereas I do see animation very much as a vibrant art form, and the whole it's for kids thing actually is somewhat offensive to me, so I just... Putting that out there. Uh, well, so that understandable. Is- <laughs> I, I I get that a lot for, uh, from uh, from adult other adults around me, and I, I, that's not saying that I'm not an adult. <laughs> but uh, um, whenever I bring up the subject of animation to like maybe family and friends, they look at me, "Are you nuts?" Now so. this one. This particular one, and I guess we can go into more detail, but um, this could be one that probably could be watched with the family if you could get the kids to sit still, because it does have good messages, but it's more of an adult product, definitely. But um, this is one that I had a very long and storied road to getting to this film. Uh, This was actually my third viewing of the film. Uh, my third complete viewing, let's say that. The manga, which uh, the movie and the manga were originally titled Koi no Katachi, which I think 
literally means the shape of voice. I know that's the alternate translation. And that's what but, uh, what it says at the end of the end credits. The shape. Which I thought that kind of weird that they put that on the screen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But um, the manga and the movie were both released here as a silent voice. And we actually have a couple copies of the manga. The manga was released in seven volumes in 2015. And I think the American release was about a year later. And we actually had it at, in my library system. And I saw that and I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Mm -hmm. And I read it. And I was like, holy crap, this is an awesome series. I love it. It was short. It was good. It was really, really impressive. And then I heard they were making a movie. I think they announced the movie about when the last volume of the manga came out. And I was like, okay, i got to see this. And then they did a big Fathom Events release here for like, what, a weekend? <laughs> and I missed it. And I was so upset and I missed it. But and then the film was it was not, it was submitted for Oscar consideration. It was out there, but it was it, no traction, no mention of a release of anything. When uh, Septim and I did our video of anime that need an American release, I cited this film as needing a release. I still hadn't seen it at that point, but it was on YouTube. So I actually sat down and watched about 15 minutes on YouTube, but it, I didn't have the time to finish. Um, and then they announced they were doing a re-release, another Fathom event, and this time I was there. So I got to see it in English on the big screen, along with the featurettes that came with it. And that's where I found out that the English dub actually features a deaf actress in the main character role. So more on that later. But I was like, this is really interesting. They talked with her in the featurette and I learned, you know, I learned some good stuff from that. But uh, And then they finally announced the American release. And we watched it, I watched it to prep for our big best anime video, uh, movie video, what, last month? So, this was actually, strangely, my first time watching it in Japanese. <laughs> so, I'd actually seen the English dub twice on this one. So, uh, and Brandon, you, 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 believe it or not, I like the English dub marginally better. Wow, that is impressive. <laughs> That is weird, isn't it? <laughs> Did you ever find out if the Japanese actress was deaf who played her? No, I don't think she is. Um, actually, she was part of that featurette, too. I, I and, and she was talking per perfectly normally. So, yeah, it's um, definitely not. But it is notable that this is one of the very, very, very few anime that even has a deaf character, let alone a central character. And it's fairly rare in general in movies, so that's notable in of itself. The themes that Dave mentioned about bullying are there. There's a, 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 a handling of uh, teen suicide. There's a lot of really weighty issues in the film and in the series. And uh, it's just, it's, it's really great. And um, it's, yeah. It is one of my favorites. It didn't quite make my top ten for that list, but it was up there. <laughs> oh, it definitely made my top ten. Uh, yeah, my experience with it is uh, was 
I had gained a greater and greater interest after hearing about it through the circles that I that I run in. And everybody's like, this is the best film. It got robbed with the, at the Oscars because it was such a good film. This is one of the best films of the year and all of this. And it was. I couldn't get to it on either of the events <sighs> that they showed it in theaters. And it did depress me. And I also didn't seem to see a physical release in sight. So I became very obsessed with trying to eventually see this film. <laughs> and when they had the announcement for the physical release, I put money behind it right away. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted that as soon as I could get it. And then I didn't watch it at all for the longest time. <laughs> yeah. And I watched it. Anyone who's seen your collection would think nothing of that. <laughs> I have a little bit of a backlog. Um, but then we had this list that we did for the channel, which was that top 10 anime movie list. And I realized that I had a ton. Oh, look at that other one. Red Turtle. I should have watched that one. Oh, well. Uh, I had a ton of anime movies that I had not even seen before, and several of them. Matter of fact, two of those are on this month's list. And both of those two made my top ten list after seeing them. Uh, I did. I do understand what you're talking about, Dave. I know that feeling. I know that that uh, thing that cartoons are for children. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was drummed into my head by my father and mother growing up. But I was able to branch out with it, you know, with shows like The Simpsons. Um, Stuff like that where I knew that there were themes that were much deeper than than just childhood stuff. So I was able to eventually adapt and get into anime in the uh, mid to late 90s. Well, my thing, Japanese animation was always like uh, on the edge of the horizon, but just beyond my reach. Because I grew up in a Christian household. Um, and a lot of the, the, the films that, uh, that my mom subjected me to, uh, to uh, were for the most part Christian based. Uh, so a lot, a lot of the films I grew up with were feature films for family, uh, but I there were some <laughs> random, there were some random, um, Japanese animation, believe it or not, that she uh, she came acro- across like that that Nutcracker <laughs> fantasy, uh, that Nutcracker fantasy. She hit uh, it for me once, and it just so happens to be that it's Russian and Japanese to, uh, mixed together. I saw Unico um, um, th- uh, through something my mom taped. Both of those I actually saw uh, uh, saw together um, on a, v- a taped VHS. So whenever I came across, uh, and then I was actually in a group, uh, a group, a group of people who played Magic: The Gathering. We actually started uh, a, a card game together, and they all watched. Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and uh, the, the, uh, one of them, uh, his name was David uh, as well. He, uh, he had the whole entire VHS collection um, of 
Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z. So we would every week watch on VHS. On VHS. For <laughs> an entire room or something? He had every single volume. <laughs> From, uh, from volume one to uh, to whatever on VHS, um, and we would watch an episode as, as, uh, or, or two, or, and we'd watch the battles between Gohan and Goku, and of course uh, Goku's high school years and all that jazz. So, but uh, yeah, those were fun times, and during that period is when I started to like. Uh, Japanese animation even more than they had that sci-fi channel thing going on the enemy uh, thing and uh, that's how I got into Akira and uh, um, what was the, uh, that that lily cat that, uh, that uh, Brandon f- uh, found me the title <laughs> so uh, yeah um, got, uh, got into a lot of those th- through there but uh um, and uh, I believe I got into Vampire Hunter D somehow. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so those are my anime limitations. And I wasn't really... All the animations were always just as much as the Disney. Uh, so I, w- I would choose regular films over the anime because some of them were just out of my price range. So... Mm. Yeah. Uh, the uh, for me, as I, as I said, I mean, as has been brought up before, I was very familiar with bullying in school. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, it was not out of the ordinary for some of the bullies in school to actually break bones of people uh, just because they didn't like them, and they could get away with it without much repercussion. Uh, the I actually saw one person get their arm snapped by one of the football team members back in the day. Um, so I've, I've seen some pretty merciless bullying in my time, and I got very good at hiding. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I was bullied myself, and I know that uh, um, growing up with a sister in the same school, uh, sometimes I would hear... Um, what is it, uh, rumors about her, and I would defend her, and I, I know that she would probably defend me, or or whatnot, but there were a lot of things that went on behind the, uh, 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 the school doors that, uh, that I, I'm sure we, we could never tell our, our teachers, because they would never believe us, uh, but um, I know I got in a fight where, uh, where uh, when I was in sixth when I was uh, when I was in sixth gra- uh, uh, gra- uh, grade, finally I had enough from a, bu- a bully, and he said something about my mom, and that was the end of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, bullying has uh, uh, bullying really changed my life, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Because eventually you learned how to either be a man and stick up for yourself or, or be just be subjected to unimaginable cruelty, you know? Or simply not just disappear, like, like Brandon was saying, which I think yeah. you know, is kind of the route that I kind of took. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I was not very good at standing up uh, at numbers of like six or seven to one. <laughs> so I was not a uh, good... Uh, I could probably see myself uh, if I had just one person, but when you got six or seven people, it's, it's a lot to deal with. And speaking of that, let's get into that uh, part of the movie. Well, it yeah. seems like the, the uh, it looks like it's just one guy, but it's not. You've got the class of kids, and this uh, girl comes in, and she's deaf. They seem to accept her at first, but then they start getting annoyed at her. And... It's not really even him throwing the first. Uh, it's uh, actually, I believe it's the uh, black-haired girl. I can't think of her name. You know the names, Jacob. Inaka <laughs> Oeno. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, Oeno is like the one who sits next to the main dude, Shoya. And she kind of sits catty-corner to Shoko. And Choco being the deaf girl. And she kind of at first seems helpful. But it comes very clear very quickly that she feels like it's just a bother uh, to deal with this girl. And it's like, you find out, it's implied in the movie, but it goes into depth in the manga that she's also in love with Shoya. So... That's a big part of the issue why she I just kind of figured that, <laughs> I kinda figured that that's where they were kind of going. She kind of ended up being like the third wheel. And you see that that kind of jealousy uh, out of uh, Naka Ueno um, later on. Like when, when, when she sees him uh, actually defending her um, uh, when she took her um, ear things out. Um, you know, she was like, really? You're feeling sorry for this girl? What are you trying to do? Some kind of retribution or, or something like that? You know, I mean, uh, to me, I think this film is kind of about all of the different students because each each and every one of them has individuality um, in a sense because these guys are all friends at first you know you know um, yeah you've got like uh, you've got Shoya has his little his little posse you know he's got Shimada and I don't remember the other kid's name and they're a bunch of little snot nosed punks and then of course like I said Elena. And then you got Miki Kawai, who's like the class rep, the really uh, kind of teacher's pet kind of girl. Very sweet, very kind, always. But, yeah, but even she uh, is very complicit in all the bullying. She doesn't really do it herself, but she smiles and laughs and, 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 and kind of encourages it. Which... And, then you got, and then you got that nasty piece of crap teacher who's just up in front of the class just kids calm down don't you know just in that very pedantic tone but doesn't do a damn thing to stop it and then when when it finally the the crap hits the fan and the head of the school comes in and says we have gotten a complaint from this girl's mother and 
completely thinks she's being bullied, and he just, he, the teacher, throws Shoya under the bus and has everyone back it up. And it's like, yeah, no, that dude should have been fired and worse. It was just not teacher of the year, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, it, it didn't exactly show the teacher in a very, a very good light, which makes me think that, uh, you know, uh, th uh, that maybe this uh, this was somewhat geared towards showing the, uh, uh, that uh, that school systems are not really paying attention to this uh, type of bullying. Well, I, <laughs> well, I was going to say more just the idea that it can be more subtle and more systemic than just one kid picking on another kid, you know? Yeah. yeah. What do we think about Sh Shok uh, uh, Shoya's mother? Oh, she's <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah, she's the cool mom that most people she, wish they had. She had, almost all the characters had a much bigger role in the manga. They, nat they naturally had to pare it down for the movie, but she's still got some really good scenes. But in the manga, she has a lot more to do, and she's, she's pretty awesome. But the scene where she accidentally burns the money he paid for her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would have killed my mother. <laughs> I, I, I seriously would have. Uh, that sounded like a lot of money. It was a fair bit. I think it was the amount that like, uh, she basically paid one, for one, Which actually, yeah, this, is one thing, this is one thing I didn't really mention uh in my initial thing, but one reason why this one hits a little close to home to me, Dave and I were talking before we started on uh, the some of the different movies that do have issues with hearing loss and that sort of thing, and um, and yeah, I have, I have extremely poor hearing in my left ear. It's ex it's uh, I don't think it's deaf, but it's extremely poor. And because of that, I've also had a oversensitivity to certain frequencies with my right ear. So I, I know it's like to be imbalanced hearing-wise, and it's not fun. And um, But I've also, in the past, I had a hearing aid, and I didn't stick with it, partly because of lack of insurance and partly because it was annoying as can be. So I feel for the girl, and I understand a little bit of her having to deal with that. But when they said that she had lost or or were broken eight hearing aids, I'm like these oh, yeah. these little punks. They well, <laughs> no, no, that no, no, is not what they are. No, it is not what they are. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that is not ten million seven hundred thousand yen. Which mm. it's to do simple math with it, it's more complex than that. But the simple conversion is just to move the decimal point two mm -hmm. places over. So we're looking mm -hmm. at somewhere around seventeen thousand dollars, something like that. Yeah, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I have a feeling it's yeah, that would have paid for part of my college tuition. <laughs> yeah. Heck, that would have paid a big chunk of mine. Hmm. But, but that goes yeah. to the beginning of the movie where it shows him years later and he had sold all of his stuff, including his futon, which in Japan they use the 
a lot of them, some of them use beds, but then they, a lot of them use this sort of bedding uh, that they bed down on for the night, like a sleeping bag, but not. Really more of a mat that they roll up and roll out. He actually was living very simply. Like, really? <laughs> he's like, like he didn't have, have posters on his wall or anything when he was growing up, of course. Uh, I mean, he he really didn't have much to his name uh, name uh, while he uh, while he was this teenager to uh, to an adult uh, uh, kind of th th thing. So, uh, so uh, that right there sh uh, shows some of the way of living uh, that uh, Japanese teenagers might actually do, where they they actually don't need all of this stuff that we seem to think we need, <laughs> us Americans. In his case, though, it had a lot less to do with culture and a lot more to do with the yeah. fact that he didn't really feel he deserved happiness, so he yeah. didn't really see the need to do that stuff. Yeah. I mean, shoot, the movie starts with him basically getting to the bridge and getting ready to jump off. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget what, and something distracts him and uh, keeps him from doing it. So it's a, so when we cut back to the mother after that initial uh, flashback, of course she's right to be upset. Mm -hmm. I mean, the scene where she goes like, why would you want to kill yourself? And just like nonchalantly. <laughs> right. says, and I deal with a lot of that uh, through uh, my professional life. You know, I get to, I deal with uh, uh, upper teen suicide and things like that a lot. So it does strike home when you mm -hmm. see something like that. Like he, he looks to himself that there's really no way that he can redeem himself, <laughs> and that he has he doesn't feel like he has the courage mm -hmm. to do what he feels like he would need to do otherwise in living. That really killing himself was the easier way out. <laughs> right. Well, and one thing just to clarify: uh, after he gets basically de-scapegoated by the entire school. Even his buds, his buds turned, I mean, Shimada turned on him like, oh, man, I mean, that kid must have had, I don't know, I don't like Shimada. He's a, he's a jerk, but, I mean, he completely turns on him, and it's so bad that when they get into middle school, Shimada goes around telling everyone, stay away from him, he's a bully, which, of course, is him being a very bad bully, but... He's the one who gets the first punch in, and it sticks, and yeah, it just basically Ishida's entire uh, middle school was so much hell. So, another another yeah. thing that I think that was interesting in this film was the fact that um, uh, Shoya um, could not look people in the eye after he... Uh, after he had, you know, fully realized the intensity that his bullying had uh, had had on uh, Shoko, um, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was to the extent where he, it, it, no one around him really mattered to him any anymore. So that's why I think the animation had all those X's on the people. So uh, so. <laughs> Them either, so that was the other part. It's just as Jacob was saying, you know, that 
I mean, he was basically, and he was basically used to being shunned right out the gate, no matter where he went. So why bother anymore? Right. That was because so, anytime he would try. To... Yeah, that was other guys' handiwork, really, uh, right. doing that to him. And eventually, I mean, if you go years, basically, I mean, we're talking what six years of. Um, because he was like 17 uh, at the present day, and I think 11. Now, was this the studio that you had mentioned uh, that had something to happen? Uh, yeah. The news? Yeah, yeah, I was going to talk about that later on, but if we okay. wanted to do that, we can... Um, but yeah, the... Uh, um, what was I going to say? The... Uh, but yeah, you know, one of, actually one of the cool parts um, is later in the film when, well, I guess we'll go ahead and say, like when he finally learns to accept... Spoiler alert. Well, yeah, we've already hit a few of those, but... When he finally learns to accept life, basically, uh, and the X's come down... You know, before, you'd always heard these people talking, and they're always talking about him, and it's very bad, it's very negative. But you notice it's pretty much all in his voice. And then as soon as the exits come down, you hear a, a variety of voices, and it's all kind of just random, stupid high school yeah. stuff. You know, it's like, yeah. So I thought that was a really fun moment, but um, and and very effective to that. To, uh, um, yeah, so, and then, of course, you know, you the main plot, it, mostly we talked about what I think is covered in the first manga volume, <laughs> and then they do a time jump, like you said, what, about six years or whatever, and they're, you know, to where, he, you know, back to the beginning where he is planning to do himself in, and he doesn't. And part of the, I, I was always unclear about this, and, and it was actually kids setting off fireworks that distracted them at that moment, but I was always a little unclear. I think he went to meet Shoko before that, that that was part of his final day sort of preparations. He had somehow been in possession with her communication notebook for all this time. And he wanted to give it back to her, uh, I guess for a bit of closure or whatever. And seeing her again kind of triggers something that is probably the reason why he didn't go through with it. But then, of course, he decides he's got to... Maybe, she, maybe we can try again sort of thing. And... Yeah. And that's where you meet her sister, who's very amusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at first uh, she plays it off that she's a boy. Um, well, he, she is, so she just plays along. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say it. I was like, uh, she's my girlfriend. So she's like, oh, she likes him young. Huh? Oh, 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 I guess that's fine. <laughs> But yeah, that was uh, interesting. Um, and of course, Yuzuru, the, the sister, 
has an obsession with photography and she's always taking pictures. And um, when they finally reveal why she did, I thought that was great. But that was, for most of the time, you're just like, oh, she takes all these pictures and she's really good at it. And it's, she always got the camera. But <laughs> she takes pictures usually of dead things, though. Right. If you, I mean, that's something that's kind of apparent off the bat. Right. Well, it's like it's saying, when she finally reveals, she finally just tells her mother straight up. She's like, and you might not like the, uh, this particular uh, um, uh, similarity, but there uh, there was one other photographer in one other movie that you don't like uh, that took pictures of dead things. Uh, right. In that beautiful, or in that the American Beauty, the photographer there, he would actually take pictures of dead things, I think. He had different motivations, though. <laughs> he was a very pretentious artist, artiste-type character. Yeah. <laughs> she, had a, she had a little bit, she had deeper motivations, I feel like, at the uh, end of the day. Very specific one, you know. It's like I said, it was a great motivation. It's like she tells her mother, she's like, you come to find out that Shoya is not the only one dealing with suicidal thoughts. And Yuzuru tells her mother, I thought if I surrounded her by pictures of death, she wouldn't, you know, or if I, if I, if I showed her what death looks like, she wouldn't be so interested in it, you know, or something to that effect. And I'm like, yeah. That's a good thought. It didn't work, but it was a good thought. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you, and then you've got, um, you get this sort of, uh, what's his face? Uh, Nagatsuka uh, is this random dude that becomes Shoya's kind of best pal. <laughs> He's a crazy little dude, too. Fatter friend that they always uh, tend to hang out with, and I think because of his outcastness, so so he get along with the dude from American Beauty. <laughs> I mean, you know what? The, you know what's weird is what the guy's hairstyle reminded me of. Uh, grape juice. So my academia. Very different character, but I saw that too, and I was like, "Oh, that's unfortunate." Yeah. Very unfortunate. Especially <laughs> like the gets the Hitler stash. Uh, yeah, well, he, he's also got that uh, uh, clown uh, hair that's more reddish, isn't it? Has more green. Uh, or green. green. Yeah, green. <laughs> yeah. And then um, you come to find out Shoya is actually still in the same class as Miki. And as he starts to open up a little more, they kind of reconnect. And then there's this dude, Mashiba, who's Miki's friend, and he kind of gets into the group. And then there's the one person, I think the one person, from their class who had not been bullying Shoko, who actually had gone out of her way to learn sign language with her, Miyoko Sahara. And Miyoko was one who herself had suffered bullying at Ueno's hands. And turns out she and Ueno are now classmates at a design school. 
and but Sahara comes back into the picture. And so you end up with this kind of conglomeration of friends who are all kind of weirdos and outcasts and very tenuously connected, but they're, you know, there's a lot of different types of drama that they work through together one at a time. And it's, I thought that was kind of cool. That was another thing they went into a lot more with in the manga that they really pared down for the movie, which you kind of had to because they kind of went off into some tangents in the original material, but... Yeah. It, yeah. You have a lot more time to work with something. Exactly. Uh, but I think they did pretty good. I mean, especially right. when we talk about... When you talked about, like, the order of things, of course, it took it, like, uh, in chronological order, it sounds like, with the manga. I never got to read the manga. But, I think uh, you know, it's almost the same order. It's just cut down. Because, I mean, they start right off with the suicide attempt in the, right. uh, in the movie. If, if you're saying, like, it it, uh, it actually goes in the chronological order in the manga before it gets I to... Feel, I cannot remember if they started with that scene or not. I can't remember. I do know that the flashback to the elementary school eats up most of the first volume, but I feel like it started with a brief present-day scene. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember for sure. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, and then read the entire manga before coming to this. Seven <laughs> <laughs> volumes. But um, the uh, and we talked a little bit about Shoya's mother. Shoko's mother is also an interesting character. She's very. She's very rigid. Very rigid. And well, and you you can understand why she you can understand why she's so furious at Shoya and in particular, but also you come to realize that she's just protective more than anything, and she's really not a bad person. Um, she just yeah, she's an interesting uh, both of them. And then we had Pedro <laughs> and Maria. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing. Uh, Shoya has a sister who has a Brazilian husband and a little girl. And they're almost used more as a, a joke in the film. They, 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 they're barely in it, and that's almost the joke. Flexing in the... Uh, they have him flexing in the... Uh, and they're changing in the changing room <laughs> as they go in. That's just kind of fun. That's the thing. He's only rarely there, but... Yeah. <laughs> and you never see the sister in full shot. You get, like, glimpses of her, but never the full, you know... It's kind of weird. You see Maria all the time. <laughs> but... Anyway, um, and I think that was part of their, uh, I think having Maria in there was one of the ways they were trying to show that Choya would affect other people if he, you know, couldn't get himself straight, you know? Um, so it was interesting, but anyway, I kind of hijacked the character section, didn't I? Where else we... <laughs> Well, why don't we move on? We've talked a little bit about plot, and we've talked a little bit about characters. Um, but the plot themes, I'm going to move a little bit in a different direction, because we kind of moved directly into characters from plot anyway. Uh, uh -huh. So I'm going to move back into plot a little bit, which the themes, because there's, there's really several themes in this. There's bullying, there's suicide, uh -huh. but there's also redemption. 
Mm-hmm. And in a society where we are very keen to believe that all crimes and all things are unforgivable, mm-hmm. and that, that goes on all political ideologies. Well, if someone know. has to have a different political ideology than you, then yeah. <laughs> That's the thing is that they're so, well, even people within the same ideology, they're not very forgiving of each other if they are, if they do something in the past and it's like, well, sorry, the past marks you forever, depending on what it is. Yeah. And, I mean, how often do you hear about somebody, well, they did this 30 years ago. Well, they're evil and they'll always be evil because they did that. Um, or said something like that. So in this time, the theme of redemption is something I feel is even more important than ever Mm -hmm. out of all of these types of things. Because, I mean, I remember uh, talking to my wife a little bit about this, and she says, you know, I have a hard time, even at the end, forgiving uh, the main character. Because, you know, to me, I felt like what he and his friends did was irredeemable. And... I feel like that is a present theme in our society. Mm-hmm. Is there such a thing as redemption? I believe personally, if things he did to her, he did in high school. Yes, in so, fact, it was grade school. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. In grade school, I don't think we can be expected to have why is developed a moral sense? So something that you do in grade school it shouldn't necessarily follow you, but there are exceptions, obviously. But I feel like had Shoya been older when he did those things, he would have been irredeemable. You know what I mean? Like, you say that's better. And Shoya might have appeared to be the leader of the group, but he seemed to be more of a follower. Even with the bullying, it almost seemed like he was willing to make friends with her until he noticed that all of his other friends were bullying her. And then he doubled down on it. Right. And again, I think that was one of the things they were showing was kind of the compounding effect. I think all of them behaved more harshly because they thought that's what they needed to to fit in. You know, I don't think they did it because out of pure malice. I think they did it, you know, Ashoya did it because he saw that his friends were being little punks. And Ueno did it because Shoya did it. And Mickey kind of went along because everyone else was doing it. And it's, you know... It's kind of, uh, and it just was it kept cycling back on itself. And, and when he didn't, and when he wasn't doing it anymore, uh, more, uh, uh, more. That's what uh, uh, Nikeo, um, okay. I believe that was her name, correct? Uh, Naoka. Uh, uh, Naoka. Yeah. Na- uh, Naoka. She um, ended up. Uh, being at that cat's meow place. Uh, and, uh, uh, was it just me, or did, did when, when I first heard that name, I thought much worse things of it than it actually I was. Thought, I, I think they thought it was going to be something else. 
working at. <laughs> well, yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, and she was uh, she was trying to hide from the uh, them uh, saying they actually came. Oh, gee. <laughs> Yeah, because she was uh, handing out flowers and she didn't recognize them quickly enough, and or him, rather, quickly enough. But, um, yeah. No, I, again, I do think that, yeah, the idea of the explorers of the redemption is very important. The idea of forgiveness, um, I found it a little problematic to, 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 to consider redeeming a boy, especially someone who's, you know, bullying a little deaf girl and, and what have you, but I think the uh, the fact that she was so open-hearted and so willing to give him a shot uh, worked a long way. It wasn't like he was trying to force himself on it, really. Um, and like I said, just the fact that he was a dumb kid. I mean, you know, you know, there, there are people who um, continue to be bullies well into their 60s, 70s, 80s. Oh, That's much more problematic to my mind than, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I think if he had crossed the line any further than he did, he came pretty dang close, and those hearing aids were were sticking a toe over the line. But he could have done much worse, I think. So it's kind of a gray area, but he did a good job of presenting all all the sides. I think and that's one of the reasons I like this. They did a good job of presenting all the viewpoints and yeah, and making them seem valid. Yeah. I had to wonder if any some of the others really redeemed themselves in the end at all. Some of them did, actually. Because I feel like the insight was lost on a lot of the other characters. Um, some of the ones did get some insight as time went on. Like, the class rep gained a little bit of insight after she had taken time to think about it. Like, okay maybe I should have done better. And really, I think it was her guilt itself that made her then just go right back into blaming him again and trying to get everybody on her side. Um, right. And that was kind of a nasty pull that she did, or trying to act like all innocent. And Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't think Orano really got redeemed by the end she was less hateful but still <laughs> okay or his, uh, well she she held she had a different reason than any of the other the one that i felt was least redeemed was that other guy friend of his the kind of cool-eyed guy who was spreading the rumors i swear he got zero redemption one way or the other <laughs> oh no uh, he he just kind of got left by the wayside and I guess maybe that was the, maybe that could be seen as a wishful thinking on the part of the filmmakers that the, uh, the unrepentant bully gets left by the wayside. <laughs> yeah, nice. There's always one that, uh, that will not, uh, mo be moved. 
uh, uh, to changing their ways. And the other female character was, uh, I mean, gosh, I can never remember the names. Um, but the, the mean girl, <laughs> yeah. essentially, she, uh, she at least did, I mean, not necessarily a good reason, but I mean, as it said, you know, she did uh, like him, but she blamed the other girl for all the loss that she felt she had. Very egocentric mm. way of thinking. Uh, you know, it's all your fault that I didn't get the life I wanted. Right. So, you know, whereas she herself, she didn't have to go along with everybody else. She could have stuck by him, uh, mm. but she chose not to at the end of the day. But yet, uh, she chose the uh, the girl as the uh, as the scapegoat, and that I think that anger just kept building over the years, as it's like to do. <laughs> well, she and again, she liked Shalia, and she the teacher. And again, this was the part the teacher was a bastard. The teacher put her on the spot. He's like, Leno, wasn't Shalia the one doing all the bullying? Like he basically made her. He didn't want to get his hands dirty. He made her push Shoya, you know, under the bus. It was like, it was, yeah, he, I could see why she would be so resentful for that. And that's what I'm saying. The show, the movie did a good job of helping you understand everyone, even if you don't think that they deserve your pity or empathy. Uh, you at least understand why she was so angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just the nature of, of how bullying can propagate itself in the first place. Right. I mean, people will think to themselves, well, how is that even possible that they could do that sort of thing? Well, this is how. Uh, it could never happen here sort of mentality. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to happen and it's easy for it to keep Building upon itself. Yeah. Yep. It's a very real subject, which is why it can provoke a lot of emotions. Well, mm -hmm. this uh, this had a very serious tone to uh, to it, and uh, it 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 it, uh, it was definitely. Um, Though, though it was slowly paced, I could, I could tell that there was a lot of um, a lot of emotion that went behind um, making this uh, animation. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think we're led to believe that there is some kind of redemption, as we were talking about about in the character of Shoyo. Um, uh, because he has a lot of flashbacks uh, and regret, uh, and, that, and that's the word that we, we were kind of forgetting to mention: regret. Uh, because he saw that he had done wrong, and he was trying to figure out how to make amends in his own way, even though even though his friends were say, uh, saying that's exactly what he was trying to do. And he, and I know that he was trying to avoid going out with her, her but he really did have feelings for um, Shoko. Uh, deep down, uh, they kind of grew, I think. And that's why 
that's why he kind of uh, uh, kind of went and sa uh, saved her, you know. Uh, and I think that's why the, uh, uh, there was that awkward moment uh, after he uh, he had woken up. He he went straight to the spot that they always had together, and uh, he asked her to show him how to live. So a couple of a uh, couple of uh, things to, to to back up to there. Uh, there's a bridge that is Shoko's place. That there's a, a little river under it and koi, and she always goes there to feed the fish. And Shoya kind of hits on this idea of kind of using that as a way to get to know her a little bit. You know, he gets the nice bread and comes out and tries to be, you know. <laughs> and so a lot of the action takes place kind of around the bridge. Um, and then, of course, you had the thing of, we, we didn't really, I don't think we really went into it explicitly, but Shoko herself attempts to take a flying leap at some point. And Shoya is the one who saves her and ends up in the hospital as a result. So, like you said, this was the following that. Um, and that was a... That was a stroke of luck, really. That was a very much a stroke of luck. He had gone home because Yuzuru forgot her camera, which was kind of out of character that Yuzuru would forget her camera. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was. And and one other notable thing on the bridge was where the moment where Shoko tries to tell him that she loves him. I think that was a pretty big. That was, that was and what's interesting, what's interesting is that they managed, in both the English and the Japanese dub, they managed to make the same mistake and make it work. <laughs> yeah. In both the, in both of them? Yeah, because in the English, she says, like, I love you, and he thinks she says, I love the moon. And in Japanese, she says, ski which means I love you, or I like you a lot, you know. And he thinks she means Suki, with a, a soft T in the front, which is moon. And he's like, oh yeah, the moon, yeah, it's very pretty. You know, and it's like, okay. And it was, it, I think he oh, will play. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of uh, her putting herself out there. And I, I don't think he intentionally got it wrong, but he probably subconsciously. Well, he, yeah, I believe it's the uh, adolescence um, subject matter that uh, that we're talking about here. The the not yet fully realizing the the um, the uh, what what it means. Understand the ladies. <laughs> I mean. The, the telltale signs that a girl is interested in you. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we all kind of went through that kind of a phase in high school where we probably had friends that were girls that probably liked us more than we probably realized. Yeah, it would have been nice to know. <laughs> it would have been nice to know at the time, but, you know, that's... It's That's how it goes. We were <laughs> we were too busy daydreaming about our crushes. 
Sure. I mean, one thing I thought about aspect wise that I wanted to go over, and uh, the one person who I thought probably would uh, want to talk about this the most was not available. Uh, it's not available for comment today. Um, was the uh, was the plot's uh, slow movement? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and again, it's not necessarily a bad thing that a plot is slow and movement. But um, I know that this is a slow-moving movie. Mm -hmm. Did either of you feel uh, the the pacing had any major issues with it? It was slow, but with animation, especially when you're trying to turn it into a dubbed animation. Sometimes, in order to explain what's going on to slow-thinking people um, <laughs> who are slow to realizing what a story is all about, sometimes a story needs to be told slowly so that you can get the whole story as it's going. <laughs> I think... Um I, 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 like I said, I saw this three times, and the third time, the most recent time, I admit I've been very tired, um, it's my own fault, but I've been very tired last week, uh, I found it slower than the first two times, um, but I, th it will I think, also, honestly, I think the Japanese dub is even more restrained and more melancholic than the English dub which enhances the idea that it's a slow-paced film a little bit. Um, what I find interesting is that they did manage to take a seven-volume manga and turn it into a slightly over two-hour movie without really losing anything major. And part of that was that they did manage to... They cut off the side bits. They cut off the side stories, the diversions, the whatever. And that would have made a more lively film. It would have made a much busier film. And I think you would have felt the loss all the more because of it. Because uh, in this one, you have time to really spend time, even though you, you still spend a lot of time with the characters, with the settings, with the story. I think the pacing worked pretty well for how they did it. Um, it just, because of the generally sad subject matter, that combined with the slow pacing will definitely mean there will be some people that can never get into this movie. I mean, that's just... <laughs> yeah. But... Um, along those lines, though, as far as the, um, would this be a good point to launch into, like, the artistic and, um, production aspects of it? Yeah, I was thinking about doing that, actually, at this, uh, which is really, a lot of it's the, uh, really the art style. Well, the art style, yeah, is gorgeous. <laughs> Almost a watercolor look to it. Uh, I, almost, I almost thought that uh, there was some Norman Rockwell uh, buildings that uh, <laughs> they might have taken after uh, when um, Shoku and Shoya were uh, explore uh, having special days together during the summer. 
um, uh, I believe that there were some structures that looked kind of Norman Rockwell-ish, um, kind of like House on the Rockish, kind of uh, like the, uh, that one colorful uh, place that looked like the uh, the uh, some of it was on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there was a building that, uh, that they were on top of. Uh, where he was sliding down, I believe that building w- looked kind of architecturally like a Norman Rockwell kind of a building. So I don't know whether he uh, that kind of architecture had or held sway in this manga uh, or what, but it, it kind of felt or looked like that kind of a style of architecture. If my memory serves correctly, the art style of the manga was relatively simple and straightforward. The art style, the cover art, is very similar to what Brandon said, sort of a watercolorish feel, kind of. Um, and the character designs are not dramatically different from the original designs. Um, it is worth noting, unfortunately, the character designer, Fatoshi Nishio, was one of them killed in the Kyoto Fire. There's something. Uh, was the manga colorful, or was it in black and white? It was black and white, but like I said, the cover art is colorful. Okay. But, um, the general art style was fairly simple and straightforward, but the studio behind this, it was Kyoto Animation, and Kyoto Animation, they make gorgeous productions. They are well known for their background, the the the, the painting, the in between animation, the, the the location scouting. The what are some other studio? Hmm? What are some other films from this uh, studio? Well, most of the films have been more or less related to various shows they've done. The director Naoko Yamada also did the film for Kaon, and she did the film. Uh, Tamako Love Story, which was from Tamako Market. Um, there's also they also did uh, the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya, which was part of the Haruhi Suzumiya franchise. Um, they've done a lot of great franchises: Clannad, um, Full Metal Panic, um, whole bunch of uh, Lucky Star. Uh, Lucky Star is a, a more simplistic design, but you. Know, <laughs> Actually, if you want one that will be a tearjerker, just uh, watch the Clonade movie. Oh, yeah. Clonade <laughs> movie is downright depressing. But the <laughs> series, I'm, I'm one of those people that prefers After Story, but that's a, a, a divisive issue for a lot of people. But, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> definitely also, uh, I know we're both big fans of Kaon and. Uh, that, that was a fun movie. But one thing that um, I do want to mention for with Yamada, uh, Naoki Yamada is, uh, well, she is influenced by Western uh, art and whatever. I don't know about Norman Rockwell necessarily, although that could be part of it. But the, this film kicks off with The Who's My Generation. Which oh, yeah. was, I was trying to figure out what older song that was. That was a really fun way to kick off an anime, kind of a weird random thing. But I did not realize this, but it's also fitting. I didn't realize Pete Townshend was deaf in one ear, or tone deaf at least in one ear. 
And I'm like, okay, well, that seems apropos. <laughs> well, since we yeah. moved on to music, uh, what did you think about the rest of the soundtrack? Uh, I liked it. <laughs> There's parts where it gets really well, jazzy, you know? And... I know there was a lot of piano. Um, yeah. A lot of soft piano um, during, the, uh, during the soundtrack. So. Yeah. And it's proposed by Kensuke Ushio. Um, there, yeah, there's a lot of soft piano. Like I said, a harder piano during the jazzier segments. But, um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh. Well, I, uh, I agree, though. I thought the music was actually quite, uh, uh, quite fun myself. Uh, and I did think that their choice for the opening song was really good, especially when you're going back to the flashback with the uh, children as they are doing that. <laughs> right. They kind of use that as sort of a, uh, a montage, if you will. <laughs> In a sense, uh, they, uh, they kind of use it as the uh, the coming of age music, where, where it's like when they use it, 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 it that's when they go into the uh, um, the six years later, isn't that? No, there isn't the, the opener, opener. Um, okay. But yeah. <clears throat> and then you have the end theme. Yeah, it was nice. It wasn't my favorite end theme, but it was nice. It was, <laughs> yeah, I, I would have to go with that. Um, uh, it it kind of went with the tone, but it wasn't what I was expecting since we had what it opened with. Now, but, let me double check one thing and see. No, never mind. I was going to see if it was uh, Sally Hayama, but it wasn't. Um, we're going to have some even more iconic themes as we go through the month. Um, I mean, some awards had a very good theme to it, and uh, so did uh, Your Name. And of course, oh, yeah, Total one has one of the more recognizable themes, even to American audiences. <laughs> yes, what spoofed in South Park, and uh, exactly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, but yeah, I think though, uh, overall, um, this is an excellent film, artistically speaking, both drawn-wise, animation-wise and story-wise. Uh, but as we start to wind down time-wise, uh, is there anything that anybody really feels like they should add in relation to this film? I do want to go ahead and do... I did a very brief mention. I want to continue a little bit with this. Um, again, uh, we have mentioned... Brandon and I have mentioned on our channel several times that there was that big fire at Kyoto Animation... An arson. Jerk. That was, I mean, that was one of the worst attacks on art in, 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 in I, I can't even. But, uh. There are attacks then Japanese history. Yeah, I know. And as of right now, the death toll from this attack is 35 people in and around Kyoto Animation. Not all employees. Two of the released names were interns who were just there as students. Um, 
but uh, they've released 10 of the names and seven of them uh, were involved directly in this film. Like I said, Fatoshi Nishia was the character designer and the chief animation director on the film. He was a big part of this film. Uh, Mikiko Watanabe did background art. Keski Okata was a production manager. Sachi Aitsuda did painting. Ami Koiki uh, did key animation. Junichi Yuda did in-between animation. And Yoshiji Kigami worked on the storyboard and key animation. So that is a big chunk of the people behind this film. Not to mention all those others I mentioned. And I just, again, it's just a senseless act. And I just wanted to make sure I, you know, at least mention those folks. Uh, they did leave some good stuff in, behind. So that is... <laughs> well, I mean, the one thing... Studio is now no longer because of this arson. Uh, oh, they, they still recovering stuff. They, they even had a, an article not too long ago that they actually recovered a lot of a significant amount of data drives, right? Including one of their uh, things. Uh, was it Velvet? Um, what the name? Velvet something. Uh, Violet Evergarden. Violet Evergarden. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I need to see that. I've heard so much about it. But um, they have basically lost the building. You know, they are the owner of the company has said straight up, we are not rebuilding that building. So I don't know what beyond that. He's apparently at retiring age. But this is notable as the major studio outside of Tokyo. This was a... A, a vanguard for the rest of Japan, you might say. So it, it would be a shame if they just shut their doors completely. Let's hope not. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <clears throat> as far as other stuff, like I said, the film was submitted for Oscar consideration. They did not pick it, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> But um, the manga, I think, won a few awards. Um, the film won a handful, but the manga got some pretty notable. And I believe I read that it, let's see, what was the organization? Jeez, um, uh, I know I saw it here. <sighs> the The manga actually was given a thumbs up by the Japanese Federation of the Deaf, they actually signed off on it. So, that's kind of cool. <laughs> and, yeah. And it was nominated for the U.S. edition of the Eisner Awards. So, yeah. That's a major comic award there. But, anyway, um, yeah, anyone have any... Uh, I'm trying to think of any other random bits I had. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know. I mean, I think we've covered a lot of a lot yeah. of the bases. I mean, yeah. um, it was definitely a film on many levels. Uh, I mean, it, it had some beauty. It, it, uh, uh, definitely very emotional to see at least for the uh, first time. 
Um, and I could definitely see it, uh, this as a movie if I saw, uh, saw it again, which I probably will eventually again. again. Not at the moment, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Uh, <clears throat> to take it all in, uh, in, I mean, it did bring some emotion to uh, to me, which uh, which I, I like in a film. A film that, that uh, even though it brought me some sadness, uh, I mean, you could definitely follow the characters, well, uh, uh, you know, um, through their emotional journey. So it was definitely, definitely very human, um, to say the least. So, huh. all right. Yes, one uh, other thing I did want to mention was that the uh, Shoko in the English version is voiced by Lexi Cowden, Cowden, Lexi Cowden, who, uh, as we mentioned briefly before, actually is deaf. Which I think it's pretty awesome that they gave a voice acting role to someone who is who is deaf. That's like you wouldn't necessarily expect that. <laughs> well, it was a legitimacy given to the character that you would right. never expect. <laughs> and like I said, I did see that feature out when I saw it in theaters, and I wish they'd included it on the DVD release. I'm a little annoyed they didn't, but uh, I did see that feature out where they interviewed her, and she just she was just bowling over with uh, excitement, just like just really happy to do the role. And I'm like, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, but yeah. But, Anyway, the huh. well, well, I guess uh, it's uh, I, I like I said I think probably one of my favorites. Like I said, is the part where the X's fall off. That was a that was a pretty cool moment. That was, uh, and they were, they were not a little bit. They just they didn't just fall off. They they turned white, which. I was trying to understand the meaning of that. Maybe, maybe the fact that uh, uh, that everything just became clear. Yeah, that's one way yeah. to put it. You were kind of a yeah. bluish purple before, yeah. I mean, it could just be that the fact that they just died and fell off. For all <laughs> I know, I know that white is considered in that uh, culture a representation of death, as a, as opposed to white. I mean, as opposed to black in our culture. <laughs> well, we do still use white lilies for a funeral, yeah, <laughs> or white callas in particular. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of well, it's kind of a innocence and, and purity, you know, which it definitely still is uh, here. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, more more in death there. I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling at this point. <laughs> Uh, well, just not... just that, the way the sound flooded in, that was really the cool part of that, I thought. The way he was hearing all this different, for the first time, really. Um, that was really cool. Uh, and like I said, little moments. Like the little moment where Yuzuru uh, explained her photography, I thought that was a great moment. The uh, couple moments with, with his mother, you know, and they were just... Yeah, little little bits here and there scattered throughout that just kind of built the the thing overall. Uh, uh, yeah, his little sister right up to him saying, yeah, "You were dead." <laughs> well, oh, we didn't even mention the grandmother. She had some. Uh, she wasn't in it long, but she had some good moments too. And the uh, the the last little scene she had with Yuzuru was really nice. But yeah. 
Yeah, she uh, she seemed to have some kind of a presence in uh, Shoku's uh, uh, and her sister, her mm-hmm. lives, uh, 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 um, even more so, I think, than their mother did, because she might mm-hmm. have lived with them or whatnot, um, and mm-hmm. been involved with their lives a little more. So I imagine that in the manga, she had a little bit more character to her. She did have a little bit more of a role. I cannot recall if it was a greatly increased role. Because, I mean, again, you know, she does pass early on, so I don't... But I think she had a little more to do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think we should wrap this up. Yeah, I think so. Um, Well, why don't we... uh... Start with our outros. Uh, we'll start with you, Jake, actually. Okay, okay. Well, I'm Kodabuki Jake, and I, uh, of course, in addition to playing on here, I uh, frequently guest on Septim Sin vs. the World. Uh, I'll let you do the full uh, intro, but basically a channel for uh, celebrating and enjoying uh, physical media, particularly movies and TV shows and anime of all stripes, and <laughs> and we do have that big video that came out what the end of last week, I guess. <laughs> yep, it was our hundredth episode. Yep. Not to mention the uh, our our best of anime movie lists, which are we each put one up, and they are very cool. Um, lots of stuff there. You will see a silent voice make an appearance or two, um, as well as, as you said, I think earlier, some of the other stuff coming up this week, uh, or not this week, this month. Um, of course, I have my own sporadically updated YouTube channel, Kodabuki Jake. I have an even more sporadically updated Hubpages account, Kodabuki Jake. Um, and I just... Watch, read, collect whatever I can get my hands on, and wish I had more time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I hand this over to Dave, I'll go ahead and introduce myself. Uh, I am Septim Sen. I run uh, the YouTube channel Septim Sen vs. the World. We are a YouTube channel dedicated to the love and collection of physical media be it uh, movies or video games or music or whatever, but uh, mostly movies. And, uh, of course, we're no stranger to anime, as uh, many people may be kind of sick of our uh, anime-focused this summer, but we're going to be getting into other things soon enough. Uh, We just had our 100th episode, which celebrates us doing uh, our 100th pickup and 100th review, I mean, review, uh, new uh, DVD slash Blu-ray release video, uh, all-in-one. I even uh, had participation from Dave from uh, Inside Movies Galore for one section of this huge three-and-a-half-hour monster of an episode. Um, One of the things that we have coming up, of course, as we have taken a break this week, is uh, we do have the... uh, second part of the Nintendo-themed video game diaries coming up at the end of the week, whereas we will be back to our normally scheduled programming next week. 
I also am uh, helping with Inside Movies Galore and uh, the other channel for reviews, Delusions of Grandeur, just uh, helping with reviews uh, and uh, even helping with the schedule on our discussions. And our next episode for the Anime August is going to be The Great Film Summer Wars, a amazing film. It has... A an emotional impact all its own, yet one of a different nature. And I hope to see you all there. And I hand this back to you, Dave. Awesome. Uh, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is David Stregge. Um I am one of the co-founders of Inside Movies Galore, um, uh, which is, uh, originally started out as uh, a movie review slash podcast uh, slash group, group discussion um, channel, uh, which now has just become a podcasting channel. Um, and uh, Delusions of Grandeur kind of birthed from that, uh, that uh, as my own uh, reviews, and I've been working on trying to get back to doing some uh, reviews. But... Um, as uh, fate would pl uh, play it, my health has been uh, under uh, under the weather, but I will be get getting that into shape and uh, putting out more cool th uh, things. In fact, I just started uh, t uh, to uh, reach out to more people to interview. So um, uh, definitely keep a lookout for more interviews um, uh, and stuff like that. Um, uh, as Brandon sa uh, said, uh, definitely check out their 100th episode. I contributed a, li a little bit since they contributed to mine. I figured I'd give them a little bit of love for me. So uh, just watch out for... <laughs> just w uh, watch out... Uh, 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 I didn't mean to show a little bit of my butt, but uh, it is in there. <laughs> um, so... Uh, in any case, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, stay tuned for Summer Wars next week and uh, whatever else that our channel uh, may um, produce. So uh, th this was our first episode where we did it on Skype. So uh, hopefully it uh, may or may not have better audio than it did on uh, YouTube. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll be able to share it onto YouTube or other platforms. So. Like, share, and subscribe, and uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, have a great day, evening, or morning, wherever you are. Thanks for listening. And uh, <coughs> we'll definitely have more, some more cool stuff coming up. So say goodnight, everyone. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job,